ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed universal heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And, Brett, we were going to start the show with all the good news. Arizona beat UTEP, as expected, 31-10. to 10. It was, I think, Judd Fish called it the most complete like team performance he's had since coming to Arizona. Offense, defense, special teams, all doing great. And we're going to talk about UTEP. We're going to talk about the end of non-conference. And, of course, we're going to talk about the next game, which is the Pac-12 opener at Stanford. But first... We can't ignore it. We can't avoid it. The Jaden Delora saga, which we thought was over with. We thought, you know, the news that happened or what came out, that was the end of it. And everyone was moving forward. Well, it kind of popped back up again this week. Uh, apparently, there's reports go a Hawaii judge decided the settlement that Delora and the other guy, Latu, and the, the woman who was in this suit said, nope, not good enough. Not okay with that settlement. And it kind of reopens the case or reopens at least the settlement aspect of the case. And I, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we need to rehash the conversation we had on this, the first go round where I'd like to think that we took a reasonable measure approach to what is factual, what is known and what is not. Um, and at least based on the reporting that we're seeing, you know, in the, in the, in the description from from the judge's ruling to reject the settlement that was agreed upon in December 22, the offer is too low because the that because in, the income for Jaden Delora and uh, Latu out of Wisconsin has gone up with NIL. So that is as far as we can tell the the only you know in the fact pattern that is the only thing that has changed, which which is fair, right? I mean they make more money now well, than they did when the settlement was done, and you could argue that the settlement because the settlement's based on what the players what they could even offer or what they can do and a couple of years ago they couldn't offer nearly what they could now so like that makes sense but does the material facts of the case it doesn't seem like it's changed there's no new evidence there's no new accusations it's mm-hmm. just saying hey you guys are worth more money now you can afford to pay more money so the court thinks that they should pay more money at least that's how i understand it i could I, be wrong I, though i think that is i mean it's basically the judge rejected it based on that which in a civil case the judge has the authority to do that. You know, I don't want to, there's a lot of nuance between a civil yeah. case and, and, and like, there's also a nuance. And we're not where, lawyers. I, I am married to one. <laughs> um, we're not but lawyers. That, but we're not lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, but this is where it's the, the, the challenge of all of this is none of us have anything approaching the full facts and, uh, you know, and the realities of what it, of, of what happened. Right. And so we just it's why it makes it an uh, awkward, painful, uncomfortable situation. And in a civil suit, it's a different thing. And there's a different that the only thing that you can be have happen is be held liable. So that is what it is their right to kind of like a pass fail type of thing. Either are responsible or you're not kind of. But even but even the burden of like the burden of proof for, you know, it's not a conviction. It's and it's it's not a 
beyond a reasonable doubt if it went to trial. It's a more likely than not kind of thing. And it's, you know, you're not guilty. You're held liable. There's it's, there's a whole slew of things here. And, the, you know, there's another party involved in the settlement, which was the the private high school that this mm-hmm. this allegedly happened at. And they weren't happy with the original settlement, which it seemed like it well, put more of the burden financially on them than on the players. Because at the time, they had more money than the players did. They right? probably so still do, but the players oh, have no, more money did, than they did they definitely before. Do. Well, they definitely do, but they are also financially, yeah. like, they are financially motivated to not want to pay the larger share of the right. of the right. settlement, right? So it's, it's, I mean, there's it's a, a world nuance. where, like, I think oh, what, you're, what you're getting at too, Brez, like, there's a world where, like, guilt, not guilt, liability, not liability, like, whatever it is, not liable, is that, is liable the word? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Is that there's a world where everybody wants to move on from this. Like whatever happened, they don't want to go to like they don't want to go to a trial. They don't want to drag anything out. They don't want to rehash everything. Whatever happened, right? And maybe like we said before, maybe Delora did do what he's accused of. Maybe he didn't. Maybe there's something in between which still isn't good. Like obviously something bad happened here, something not good happened here. But what and how it went, we we just don't know. So that they came to a settlement could just easily have been a you know what? These guys are going to go play high-level college football. They want to just put this in the rearview mirror. You know, let's settle and move on with our lives, which is what it sounds like they tried to do. This gets reopened in so much because the judge is like, "Yeah, you can settle all you want, but that's just not a good enough offer." Which, like you said, is the judge's right to do. They have to accept the settlement. So, I mean, it it stands to reason, and I don't know if like Delora and Latu, if their sides are going to fight this anymore. I don't think they're just, or they're just like, you know what? We have the money. Let's just. Let's just pay it. Like, I don't know what the number is, but it feels like to me, like if they do have, and I don't think like the judge would be like, oh, you like, they know what they make, right? Like there is a finance report there. They're not going to say, okay, you have to pay three times what you make. Like that's not going to happen. So I would imagine that whatever percentage is fair, if I'm Delora, I'm being like, okay, take it. You know, let's please be done with this. And I imagine Latu would feel the same, but like, it's, it's an icky story. And it makes you feel, I mean, it's not good. Like, you don't feel good about Arizona being involved in this in whatever capacity they are. You know, Jed Fish came out and said, like, with the school's investigation that they began in, what, December of 2022? You know, like, that's when they first learned about all this, and they Mm -hmm. investigated, and they felt good about keeping Delora on the team and everything. He may be making decisions based on football. He may be making decisions based on the evidence he has, maybe some combination of the two. Like, it doesn't feel good. You don't like it. But I don't know if anything's supposed to change because this happened, right? Like you're saying, the facts of the case don't seem to have changed. Nothing seems to have come out. There's nothing new here. It's just we hear the one side and the idea that they deserve more money than they were being offered the first time than they agreed to originally. That's all that seems to have changed. Yeah, to, to your original point where everybody you know, wants to just put this behind them, that is why you settle a civil lawsuit. Yeah. But also the plaintiff... You know, if your victory for the plaintiff in a civil suit is more money, yeah, right. And it doesn't so, mean that the plaintiff's doing anything wrong here either. By the no, way, no, they are. They, like, you know, yeah, it's but they, they and their lawyers have what the they are representing their side of the case to the ends that they deem most appropriate. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, cast any judgment. It is just that is the factual nature of a civil case, right? Like their objective is maximize you know the, the financial penalty yeah um and and the schools you know trying to minimize their financial penalty the players probably want to move along because even you know if, if you're there's not there's not a it, 
given it's a civil case, again, it's a different thing of what held liable than what it would be for a criminal conviction. So it's it's a more likely, you know, the facts of the case in a civil case, you're easier to be on the losing end as the defendant than in a criminal case by the nature of the way the law is. So blah, 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 blah. All that is, you know, said and done. The other, it, it's just... <laughs> It's it's a challenging thing, and like the, the 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 I think the frustrating thing is that again nobody knows the facts in this. I would assume, and it is definitely an assumption, that the university and Jed Fish know more about the facts than we do. We hope and they're so. Not. And I, I it's you know it's an assumption, but I I I think it's a reasonable assumption that they know more than us. Do they know all of the facts with 100% accuracy? Almost assuredly not. So the you only say like we don't know, like no one knows the facts. Like there's three people who ostensibly do, and they're kind oh, yeah. of in a court case against each other. And in a situation like this, it is very much a he said, she said, he said type of deal, right? Like, and the lawyers do what lawyers well, do. They all fight for their clients, and that's what they're paid yeah. for. That's what they should do. The judge is doing what the judge should do. Try to make sure that the plaintiff gets, you know, if there's a settlement, that it's a fair, just settlement. So everyone's doing what they're supposed to do in this situation. Like what actually happened? Mm-hmm. We're never like we're never gonna find out. So whatever no. judgments people had four months ago or five months ago, whenever this first popped up six months ago, like all this does is probably reaffirm what you felt then because nothing changed. So if you're on team, well, you got to kick Delora off the team. You were probably on that team before because if you weren't, like nothing's changed. And if you were like, you know what? It's in the past. He was a kid, which I don't think is the right answer, by the way. <laughs> like you know, but if if you were on that team, then still nothing has changed. You're still Team Delora. Hey, throw him out there. He should be on the team. You know, starting quarterback QB one. And if you're, I think where we were was just kind of like, we don't know enough. There are people who hopefully know more than we do, and they're making the decisions. And mm-hmm. if everyone's comfortable with a settlement, then who are we to say how dare you? And and the, you know, then okay. Like it's frustrating. It's disappointing to see this pop up. But it doesn't really change anything, I think, as far as we're concerned. It probably shouldn't change anything for anybody. Yeah, it, again, the only the only thing that has changed here is players' income, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think it's as as you know, you you called it icky. It's certainly a it's not a great situation, no matter what this you know, no matter what is true or is not. Mm-hmm. This whole situation is a mess and not it's not great. Right. Yeah. Um, whether it's the worst of the allegations true or they're completely false or somewhere in between, it's a terrible situation. And, you know, for the for the program, for Jane Delora, for the, the Wisconsin player, for the I mean, for the, the girl, for the high school, mm-hmm. all this is doing is dragging it out more. Um, and so everyone will probably be incentivized to, to settle still, which a settlement, again, means all parties have agreed that that is moving that, on. Yeah, we're, we're done. Right. To to their satisfaction. Um and it's you know I think the responsible thing is to you know try to focus on the facts. You know you can be concerned about the allegations, and you should be concerned about the allegations. But it's also a bad thing to make assumptions about allegations and motives of of all parties involved, right? Whether that's Jaden Delora in his defense or the accuser, or the, even the school for that matter. And mm-hmm. so that's why it's just a terribly unfortunate situation. I think that the judge even set them up for a mediation in January uh, after so, the you know, season. Right, yeah, which is going to be hanging over the season a little bit, which is that's not I, great. I but. wonder if it will. And I want because like let's we could probably turn the page now to the football, right? Obviously, like again, yeah. whatever happened, like things are bigger than football. But as things go, 
Arizona's still playing. Jay Delore is still a member of the team. He's still the starting quarterback. And he's coming off his best game of the season against Utah. Arizona won 31-10. And it wasn't really that close. Obviously, they were up 14-3 at halftime. They gave up the touchdown like this. They gave up a touchdown in the fourth quarter in garbage time when the defense, you know, whatever. Like, it was a comfortable victory over a clearly overmatched opponent, right? Delora threw for 285 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 23 of 29 passes, great accuracy, efficient. You know, Arizona got the running game going. Wiley had 87 yards rushing, Coleman 71, DJ Lane 45, Speedy Luke had a couple of carries, 16 yards. Um, both T or T Mac, Jacob Cowing, and Montana Lamonius Craig all got touchdowns. Which, by the way, the Lamonius Craig one, I was watching that because he had gotten like the catch right before that to get them to, like the four or five. And I watched the formation. I'm like, they're going to do the quick little screen, like quick little swing mm-hmm. pass to to him just to get him his first touchdown. And sure enough, like it happened. Like you do stuff like that when you know you can do whatever you want in a game, right? You're like, okay, I want to get this guy. To, they wanted to get Jacob Cowing the ball a lot, and they wanted to get him a touchdown against his former team. They did that, right? Like, they, they knew they could. It wasn't toying with UTEP, but it was just understanding that they are so much better than the opponent. They could do whatever they wanted. So they went to One thing I found interesting, Brett, and I know you were at the game, was that Arizona's game plan offensively was a lot of those quick you know, hitches, a lot of swings, a lot of stuff closer to the line of scrimmage. I don't know if that was to make things easier for Delora and take some of the decision-making out of his hands, or if it was because they just knew they could spread UTEP out side to side and just let their athletes do work. Either way, it was a good game plan. Really, the only blemish Arizona had was the T-Mac fumble early, and they had a field goal blocked. Otherwise, Arizona played a really clean, good game. And yet you talk to Arizona fans or some people that cover, and they say they won ugly, even though they covered and had all the statistical dominance, right? Um, I mean, you'd like more points, but I, yeah, it, well, and, I also I don't mean, mind I winning was, by 21 points. I'll take that no matter how they get there, 21-nothing, 31-10. I'm fine with it. Well, I've never seen more people see a team cover a very large spread and be like, man, they won ugly. And it's like, what? Really? I mean, is that a sign of the expectations, though? Because people are but, like, okay, Arizona should be scoring well, 45 points against these guys. And, and 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 I am personally guilty of it because the stats of uh, this game, like I look at Jaden Delora's uh, stat line, and I was like, oh, he played pretty well, but he had the couple, like he had a couple of throws that he just missed on on incompletions, and I'm like, Ugh, those are those are pretty bad. So he's still making mistakes, but then I'm like, wait, he was 23 of 29. What am I complaining about? <laughs> um, and so it's just, I think it's, I think part of it is that, you know, we have a little bit of a battered spouse syndrome as Arizona football fans that we just assumed that the other shoe was going to drop. Um, you know, I would say also that like in the first half, I mean, I was there and I talked to some of the people that sit in my, in my section and it, it, it did feel like they were playing with their food a little bit mm-hmm. um, at times, uh, you know, running some of the trick plays that were just not not needed the next time i see like the pass back to the quarterback thing will be too soon yeah <laughs> like i just i'm not i i i don't know if that's just to try to get a live rep of that in a game situation but like why yeah i'm not <laughs> like, i'm not into that play so much flea flickers I, are fine I, if you want to have the running back throw the pass i'm cool with that like the halfback option or something I just, the place back to the quarterback, it takes so long to develop, and yeah. Anyway, well, and you're and you're running a risk of like illegal guys downfield, and it's just I, you know, it, it, but overall, it was a another very efficient game for Arizona. The defense looked really good again. Really like, good. I actually was. I mean, I was honestly, you know, and maybe it's just because I was watching it live and seeing what was developing down the field, which is different than watching it on in the game. I I actually thought the UTEP quarterback uh, Hardison. 
was a pretty, played a pretty good game, but then I look at his stats and he's 15 of 31. Well, the TV guys kept pumping him as like a, an NFL draft pick. And I'm like, the guy completes like 50% of his passes. I mean, I get the offense he's in, but like that doesn't stream NFL draft pick to me. <laughs> yeah, that. well, I will say that watching it live, he seemed to have a command of the, t- of the offense and, try- and like a leader of the offense and barking at a t- it. It struck it, it struck me as a guy that is the best player on his team trying to do the probably best has the physical tools, which is what I mean. Granted, you guys are also misnaming like most of the players throughout the night, so like their analysis could be could be called into question, probably. But yeah, like I don't know. Maybe I wonder because Arizona's offense when we saw them at their best last season. Like, obviously, the defense is on a whole other level through three games this season, so hopefully that continues. But the offense is what people, I think, are upset about. When they're at their best, they were, you know, lighting the scoreboard up last year, right? They were making the mm-hmm. big plays downfield quick dressing. They're getting those 40-yard bombs to, like, Singer, which, I mean, I think they do kind of miss what he had to offer in that regard. But, like, Arizona has been more methodical, right? They haven't had as many of those explosive plays. And in this game especially, when you're doing a lot of, I'll say, dinking and dunking. You know, those quick passes and just getting the ball to Cowan, getting it to T-Mac. I mean, T-Mac's touched all three of their touchdown passes were within like five yards of, of the end zone, right? Like they weren't exactly long throws, which we kind of got used to last season. So it looks different. It looks harder than maybe it did last season. Now, that could be by design. Like I said, maybe this game they were trying to make things easier on Delore. Like he needed a clean game, right? He needed a turnover-free game. And maybe Delore's like, hey, I'm not going to take this tr- chance down the field when I can get seven, eight, nine yards by getting the ball out to my guy here. And of course, Arizona's running game was effective in this one too, which played a role, but it just doesn't look the same. Now it's 31 points. That's not bad. Like I'll take that, especially when you're giving up 10, but it just looks different than it did last season when things were like firing on all cylinders. And that could be a good thing. Like with the clock rules and everything, just Arizona being more balanced. Like maybe they should be more of a, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 play drive type of offense, give their defense a little bit of a break than they did last season. But it just, it's a, way, a different way of getting there, and I think that's what looks different. You know, that's why people are a little bit worried or nervous about the offense. Yeah, and I think you know what you were commenting on, whether it was the game plan, uh, I think it maybe was to try to train Jaden Delora into doing even more of the thinking, like the, the game manager plays, and then he still took some shots. I mean, that one-handed catch by T-Mac was a risky throw into triple coverage that if it's like not if there were three there, guys there but like none of them were looking i see what delora was looking you know what he saw there sometimes but, like yeah. yeah you have to throw if, your guy open if, and that's a case of throwing your guy open but if that ball gets tipped by the receiver there's three guys that can oh what would delora would have to worry about a ball getting tipped and intercepted that never happens <laughs> like the week before and, <laughs> and 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 you know as much as I love Dorian Singer, let's let's. I just pulled it up because I was curious. He has fewer receiving yards than Michael but Wiley. Does what this he season. what he had to offer last <laughs> season, like let's not. I mean, but there's just. I think they are still figuring some things out offensively. But I think there sure. was some sense of let's just make things easy on Delora, make things easier. Like don't turn the ball over, and you're going to win this game. So the whole idea is to win the game. They I think Jed would be happy winning seven to three, or even three nothing. Right, like just win the football game. And this was a game where they didn't have to really push it. They didn't have to press things. They didn't have to try to make plays down the field because they were more just way more talented than their opponent and faster, right? That's they spread them out and let I mean, T-Max touchdown. I guess I think his was longer than five yards. It was like 13 or something like that, but or 18. But the pass was within like five yards of the line of scrimmage. It was just one of those quick outs, you know? Like mm-hmm. just let your athletes do the work for you, which – that won't always work. That won't happen against much of the Pac-12. They're going to have to make plays. The question is, can they? Can they still get those chunk plays, get down the field in a hurry? I think so. But 
why focus? Why worry that? Why what? Not worry. Why risk those types of things when you don't have to? And I think this was a game where they didn't have to because their defense also was just playing great. <laughs> and we were talking about the offense. The defense was great. This was this was Arizona playing a mature offensive game plan that is just going to win, right? Especially if they're the better team with better athletes. It's a low risk. They'll move the ball down the field. They'll score. You know, they took a few calculated shots. Like, you know, speaking of mature team, Tanner McLaughlin having passes up the seam, like doing all these dink and dunks on the spreading them out. That's what opens that up, right? Mm-hmm. Tanner McLaughlin. I don't know if he even had a catch in the in the first game of the season. Maybe nope. one. Um, you know, and he had four in this game for 62 yards. Um, you know, I think they're figuring it out and I don't, I'm not, I'm not convinced that, you know, I feel like this was a, a rep of trying to do just that, that mature offense that is, you know, takes calculated gambles, but trains JDL to let his athlete, you know, to trust his athletes around him and trust the offensive line to open holes running the ball. Right. And that's something that you need to do when you get to Pac-12 play. And then, yeah, maybe you do need to make a couple of more plays. Maybe you don't throw the you know double pass back to the quarterback, but you need to take a few more shots to a team act down the sideline or a, an, an, an MLC, right? But overall, it's this is that's the efficiency that you want to see in a team, even if you're not just trying to run up the score, right? Yeah, and, and it helps when your and, defense does what it did, right? Arizona's for. Mm-hmm. for I don't know if I want to say when the game, while the game was in doubt, I'm not sure what, how long it was in doubt, but the main defense, the starting defense, you know, Justin Flo got the start next to Jacob Manu. He had 10 total tackles. He was good. Now this is the type of game for him, a team that's not going to be throwing the ball all around the field. You know, a guy who's more effective in the run game and things like that. Jacob Manu, of course, seven tackles, including one sack a tackle, you know, like he was good. Takario Davis made a couple plays. Taylor Upshot got it, had a sack. Tyler Manoa had a sack. Like the defense was good and yes opponent adjusted like you have to put that into the context but bad offenses did well against Arizona's defense last year too <laughs> like there's nothing that said that they <laughs> couldn't go out there and score not like that I would expect you to score 30 points but you know maybe last year they're getting 14 17 20 points against this defense and instead Arizona when the game when it mattered the defense locked them down yeah and and they I mean God forbid we acknowledge that Gunnar Maldonado had a nice game and, you know, popped that ball out and returned the, the fumble, right? Um, you know, and it's it's what you want to see from a, a defense you hope is improved, that they should be able to essentially dominate a UTEP team, right? That I actually think the quarterback was doing the best he could and has some physical abilities. You know, the Arizona defense stifled them, and if they started to threaten, they they – they bowed their backs and they and they stopped them way more often than not. And like the touchdown and garbage time, I don't even it like doesn't even matter, right? The fact that there was but garbage like, time in an Arizona game, that's nice. And it's not like Arizona being the one doing something during garbage time. Like even then if it wasn't garbage time, ten points is fine. You're gonna win if you only give up ten points, you're going to win every time. If Arizona if Arizona maintains the what, like seven or six and a half points per game average approximately the rest of the season it's going to oh, be a home real games? season. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> They'll be all right if that if that works out that way. So yeah, I mean it was a I I get what Fish was saying when he says like the most complete effort where the defense and it's kind of nice I think is they're going to need the offense and I think the offense will be there. I'm not worried about that so much. But it's nice for the defense to kind of get its flowers, you know, and to kind of get that confidence going into 
conference play. And now, granted, Stanford is probably not the best offense they're going to face. They're probably the worst offense they'll face until maybe the last game of the season against ASU, depending on what they look like. So there's going to be games where the defense, they could be playing well, and they're still going to give up 35 points, 40 points. But they've shown a little bit more of an ability to stop the run, which is huge. They've shown a little more ability to get after the quarterback, which is helpful. And I think their corners aren't bad. Like, they haven't really truly been tested much. But, you know, Prysock, I think, is been good. Traden Stukes was healthy. Takario Davis made a couple of plays in this game. Like the length Arizona has and the athleticism in the secondary. And you mentioned Maldonado and it's good to see him have a nice game. Like he deserved that because I mean, I, I don't know if he's the guy for them long-term still, but you know what? He plays hard and he got to, he made a couple of plays in that game. So it was a nice, mm-hmm. a nice overall non-conference for the defense, which yeah, the offense needs to be better, but I think it will be the defense. We weren't sure about and the defense showed that it is improved over last season. Like how much, what we'll see when they play USC and Washington and Washington State and Oregon State and UCLA and Colorado and Utah, they probably won't look as good. But it doesn't mean they can't get a few stops, and that should be all it takes for the offense to keep up and possibly steal one or two of those. Well, and I, you know, we talked about if the defense could make a jump from being, you know, ranked 120 to the 60s, right? That's a that's a bowl game for Arizona, and through three games, you know, they've looked at worst in the 60s, right? Yeah. Um, you know, granted the talent level is going to change, and I think Gunnar Maldonado is uh, looks really good when there's not superior athletes out there to expose him on on, on coverage. Um, but some of these guys, they're these young corners, especially like I'm curious to see what Prysock and Takario Davis can do, and a lot of these receivers probably aren't used to going up against six three, six foot four corners with long arms that can keep up with them on a sprint. And a lot right? of quarterbacks maybe think there's a window there, and all of a sudden the corner can make up that ground and get a hand yeah. on the ball. Yeah, and uh, you know I'm not I'm not saying they're going to shut down USC's offense, right, or Washington's passing game, but I think it's not going to be the defense is is clearly not it's it's not looking like it's going to be the sieve that it was last year right right and if and if if they can end up somewhere in that you know 50 to 60 range of total defense with this offense especially if Jaden Delora can work on the you know if he keeps taking the checkdowns getting the ball in his playmaker's hands uh, not turning the ball over that's the formula for you know Arizona making a bowl game and beating some of these teams that are and, currently ranked. And taking a lot of those check downs is what opens up some of the things downfield, like the short game. Like your play-action game works a lot better when you can run the football, right? When you can do some of those fake little hitches and all of a sudden there are wheel routes. Different things will open up the more you can do. Defensively, it allows you to not have to score 45 points, which means you don't have to push it, which means you can't afford to take your time. And maybe Delora has it in his head where he doesn't have to take that chance. You know, like he doesn't have to be the hero because the defense will keep them in the game. Last season, sure. Like there were games like, yeah, if you don't score, you're not going to win. You have no chance. So defense plays like that, gets a couple stops early, allows Arizona's offense to settle in and not have to have that pressure, not feel that pressure, the weight of the entire team. Hopefully that makes a difference in DeLore on the turnovers, you know, which is like we saw against Utah. That was the recipe, you know probably need a little more offense and a little they'll get a little bit less defense but overall it's like complementary football is what fish was talking about and that's yeah so 31 10 never has a 31 10 victory seems so disappointing to people but it left arizona two and one <laughs> non-conference which is about where it's about where we expected them to be you know it's disappointing because they could have won that game they lost but you know two and one it's that's fair that's reasonable 
If if you had said uh, preseason that we were two and one and the only loss was on the road at Mississippi State in a loss in overtime, we would have said yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so here they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's now now it's now it's time for the real fun to begin. Well, maybe not real fun with Stanford first, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I'll, and we're going to talk about Stanford in a little bit, but first let's take a break and we come back. But we're going to talk to Brian Peterson, the managing editor of AZ Desert Storm, to get his take on where Arizona is at heading into conference play. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by Brian Peterson, who's the managing editor of AZ Desert Swarm, which, of course, covers all things Arizona Wildcats. Brian, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thank you for having me, guys. So we're talking a lot of football, right? And I guess we'd be remiss. Like, I don't see where you land on the Jay and Delora story. We started with that. And from Brett and I, perspective, our perspective is not much has really changed in terms of the facts of the case. I mean, have you seen anything more? Is it just kind of like it's all about just make, getting more money in the settlement, but otherwise the material facts of the case haven't really changed? There's nothing new? Yeah. There, I mean, there hasn't been any actual, um, you know, debating of those. There's been some things that have been stated as facts and then everything else is, is up for grabs. The reason that this has popped back up and that the settlement isn't there is the school, St. Louis school, who's also a named party in the suit, objected to the settlement, believing that by having the two players settle with the plaintiff, it was going to put make it so that if, if the family uh, and this plaintiff were going to get the what they were looking for financially, it was going to come almost completely from the school and the school didn't feel like it should be uh, at that much of a burden. So they were the ones that were like, yeah, I don't think the numbers that you're using for this settlement are good enough. And that settlement also was in December. And so both Kamoi Latu at Wisconsin and Jaden Delora at Arizona apparently have made more money since then and are making more on average. And so the judge getting that information is like, yeah, I agree. Also, it's too low. Now, I've seen some comments from people saying that judges shouldn't be, uh, they should be impartial and they shouldn't be giving advice and all that. And, and I mean, yes and no, but they're also, they're trying to make sure that everything is fair in that. And if they feel like somebody is not getting a fair piece in this, they wanted to make sure that uh, everyone is is getting what they want, or you know that it that it's equitable. So, but otherwise, it really like nothing has changed. Like yeah, and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. It sounds like, and I imagine in due time, it'll all just it'll get settled again, and everybody will move forward. But I guess until that happens, or maybe for the next couple of days, week or so, it's just another like ah, this thing has. You know, this thing is still out there. It happened. It's happening, and it's just something that Arizona's going to have to manage. Or Arizona, Delora, will just have to deal with until they don't, right? Yeah, and um, from what I read in the the court documents, there's a status conference for December, I believe, and that there's been um, attempts to want to try to set up like a joint uh, mediation with all the parties and the judge. Um, but that's going to also involve, like, for something like that, you're, you're going to actually need the named parties, not just their lawyers. So it's going to be difficult to be able to find a time when Delora and Latu can appear maybe telephonically through some sort of negotiation 
the mediation along with uh, the plaintiff and the school and all that to try to come, well, maybe the school won't be involved in that, I don't know, but to come up with uh, a time to do all that. But, um, I mean, it's, it's far from being over, but there isn't, it's not like there's new evidence that's been presented already. Yeah, and I th- you know, you make a, a good point that it's hard to settle this during football season because there is still a season going on, and you know whether that's going to become an distraction for JDL or this football team remains to be seen. Um, but in terms of you know what we've been seeing on the football field to try to, to move back to, to, to the on-the-field stuff, mm-hmm. um, I'd, I'd love to get, you know, Adam and I were kind of talking about this last week with, with Michael Lev and a little bit uh, in, the, in our first segment. I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, J.D. Laura on the field this year. Uh, you know, he looked pretty good and pretty efficient against UTEP. Uh, obviously, everybody knows what happened against Mississippi State, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. Do you, do you, do you perceive Jaden DeLora as a better quarterback this year than last year and a more, for lack of a better word, mature on the field quarterback than last year? I'd probably use the word polished that he – he has a better overall understanding of what is expected of him, how he fits in the offense, where his uh, freelance abilities fit, and when they're best used. Uh, you're never going to be able to get all of the wild horse out of that horse that you uh, try to turn into one that you ride around, uh, you know, with kids on it, like it's like it's at a uh, birthday party. There's always going to be some of that gunslinger in him, and I don't think they ever wanted to get fully uh, rid of that. I mean, I could probably use the example of uh, Khalil Tate when they they basically broke his spirit, turning him into a uh, a pocket passer at the beginning of 2018, and it really messed with his career and made him almost scared to run, whereas in 2017, his first instinct was to run, and it was always most effective. They don't want to take everything away from him. They just want to make it so that he actually, you know, gives it the proper thought, and is this really what's best for the team? And this, this past Utah game, you did, like you saw a really good example of where he freelanced, but he was also safe. He was running towards the sideline, and then he shoveled over the defense to Mike Wiley. That play, I mean, if it's lower, yeah, that's going to be an interception, but he did it great, and, and it's it's one of those no, 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 yes, oh, okay, cool, yeah, hey, kind of plays. Yeah, it, it seems to me, it, 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 like, you're, you're, the analogy that I would come with, and tell me if you agree with this, where it's, it's, it's easier to, you know, edit the designer or, uh, you know, rein in the creative person it's easier to do that to optimize them than to make them creative right i feel like the same thing is with a quarterback where they need to have that gunslinger mentality rather than teaching them to have it i.e gunner cruz is that is that a fair framing yeah yeah i mean you can't teach a guy who's uh is so worried about getting hit to dodge it when it's coming it's well no they're probably going to freak out and they're going to fall to the ground but if he is he can see that and he can sense it and get away from it. I mean, it's it's very rare that he runs into a sack. It's usually he, I mean, there's probably been many, many sacks he should have had um, where if he just stayed in the pocket and all he was focused on was throwing the ball, then he would have been sacked. But, and some of those times that he's bailed out of there, it's gone bad, but most of the time it's gone good. And I think you just kind of have to accept one with the other. 
And I think maybe what's kind of, I don't know what to say, skewing people's perceptions of him this season, but I was like, last season, it's like you needed every bit of Jaden Delora to win football games. Like, good Jaden is how they beat UCLA. You know, good, they needed it because they didn't have much else, especially defensively. At least through three games this season, there's almost a sense of, okay, don't need Jaden to go Superman. I know the, thing, you know the illusion or the analogy I was like, be Batman, not Superman. Use the tools. But that's the case this season so far. It's like, hey, you have a pretty good defense here, at least a capable defense. You have these weapons. You don't have to do everything. Take the safe play. Take the easy play. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, maybe, which wasn't the case last season, but maybe it is this season. That changes how people view him and what he does. Yeah, and, and where he's really, uh, in addition to the, the running, where he's really taken up is, is the checkdowns and throwing to his, his running backs. Uh, last season, I think about 23% of his completions were to running backs, and right now it's 30% are to running backs. And they've caught almost all the targets because they're safe throws. They're in space. They've all shown the ability to run in space and make advantage of that and that opens things up elsewhere on the field so um his numbers are basically the same as they were last year with two exceptions more rushing yards and more turnovers so it it, like when you balance it all out it's it's pretty much been just like it was last year um it just feels weird because they've only scored 38 against NAU and only against UTEP and that there were some points left on the field and then all the stuff that happened with Mississippi State. If you think about it, that that's actually like, did you ever think that we were going to get to the point with Arizona that you're complaining that they're only averaging 31 points a game during a 2-1 start? Brad and I were talking about before, like Arizona beats UTEP 31-10, to 10, and people are just like, well, that was uninspiring. It's like they won by three touchdowns. <laughs> like, they, mm-hmm. they, like Delora doesn't throw an interception. He completes like 75% of his passes, throws three touchdowns. Like they win by three, like three scores, 21 points. People are like, well, that was underwhelming. Like it's yeah, well, it's progress, I guess. Part of it is if you look, uh, their worst quarter has been the first quarter. They scored one touchdown in three first quarters. With uh, had that terrible one against Mississippi State, but the first quarters uh, they didn't score against UTEP in the first quarter and scored one touchdown against NAU. I mean they've been up fourteen to three in both of those wins and down uh, what was it fourteen seven. And they've been a second-half team. Um, you notice that more in a game like Mississippi State where they had to come back and they tied it. You don't notice it as much in a game when they win by 35 or they win by 21 because you're, you're looking at the overall margin and not breaking it down on, on how it went in the second half. That's a fair way to look at it. I'm curious, Brian Peterson of AZ Desert Swarm here, is that – like the, I don't know if Arizona fans understand how to follow a team with a capable defense, right? Like, your offense scores 31 points. It's like, yeah, you're used to them scoring 40, but they still won by 21 because the defense only gave up 10, and for all intents and purposes, it was like three. Right? Like, Arizona's defense, at least through three games, and I don't know how you feel about their – we'll actually ask you how you feel about them going forward because the Pac-12 slate's about to get tougher after this next game. But – when you have that kind of defense, like the games can look different. A comfortable blowout victory can look different than what they're used to. Yes. And yes, the opponents have not been great, but it's still significantly better than it was the first three games last year. And just to be able to see that, that they're doing it throughout the game and they're looking good in the fourth quarter defensively 
just like the first. It's not like some of the times maybe in Jed's first season and, and parts of last year where they looked fine on defense early and they just wore out because they didn't have enough guys. They're doing just as well in the fourth quarter. Some of the, the, mo- the craziest stats that I've noticed, because of the turnovers, there's been six times where an opponent has started with the ball at their own 40 or closer, including that one drive against Mississippi State where they got the ball on the six after it was returned on an interception. Arizona only, only given up three touchdowns on those six drives. Uh, they've also, in um, I want to say, uh, nine red zone trips this year by the opponents. They've given up five scores and only two touchdowns. That ch- touchdown rate is third best in the country. Now, yes, NAU, UTEP, not good teams, but still, when you have teams that get close to the end zone, odds are they're going to score. And for them to be keeping them out of the end zone, that goal line stand against NAU, um, being able to limit UTEP to just like one field goal when they got down that far uh, really, really is promising for a confidence standpoint and that, hey, we can do this. Yes, they're not going to be giving up 14 points a game in the conference. If they do that, I'm going to have to come up with some crazy thing to, that I say I'll do, but that would just be ridiculous. <laughs> You'll cover a team that goes to a New Year's Bowl game if they do that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's the crazy thing you'll do. Up, if they're giving up less than twenty points a game in the conference, then they are going to be uh, playing in one of the top two or three bowls that the Pac-12 has, uh, whether that be the Vegas Bowl or whatever bowl that's part of the CFP, or uh, I don't know what the next one is after that, maybe the Alamo Bowl. But that's not going to happen. They're probably still going to give up 30 points a game at a lot of these games because you look at the offenses that are in there. I mean, it, you can you can do really well on offense against Washington or Oregon or USC or, and still give up 30 points. So both things are tr- can be true at the same time. And I wonder if fans are going to be able to balance those. Yeah, I mean, we ex- we 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 expect to see the the competition level rise with Pac-12 play as 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 the Pac-12s look pretty good, but perhaps not this week. Uh, Arizona's traveling to Stanford. What what are what are Arizona fans to make of the Stanford team that looked pretty good? I think it was against Hawaii to open the season, but then just lost to uh, uh, their their new coach's former team, uh, Sacramento State. What 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 is the expectation going into this game? Um, I mean, I think for anybody who put Arizona at being able to get to six wins this year, put this down as a win. They have to have this win if they want to get to six. Otherwise, they're just going to need to make some huge upsets during this gauntlet that's coming up after that. And the only other game after, uh, other than this one that you can probably pencil in as a potential win would be ASU at the end of the season. So that only gets you to four. So you'd need to have at least two others from there. But you lose the Stanford game, and, and pretty much that probably eliminates any chance of that happening. But, yeah, Stanford is a program in transition. David Shaw was there for a dozen years, and, and it, had, it had run its course, and it was definitely showing signs of not being what was needed in college football anymore. Troy Taylor's bringing in a, a different system, and as Arizona fans saw with, with Jed, it, it, you know, it's going to take some time. That Hawaii win, I think, was a little misleading. I think Hawaii's not really that good. Um, and But then also the, the loss to USC is 
well, they, they got thumped by USC. A lot of teams are going to get thumped by USC. But losing at home to Sacramento State, granted, that's a good Sacramento State program. I think they went like 12-1 and one or something last year with Troy Taylor. But it does show how far they have to go. Um, in the Q&A we did with um, a, uh, a site, they mentioned there's, there's just a lot of youth on the team because they lost three receivers to the NFL. Um, you know, they're going with two quarterbacks. They've got a fairly young defense, new schemes and all that. So it's a team that is is definitely in transition. I think this is like the perfect game for Arizona to begin the conference with because it allows to build momentum, but it also is the kind of team that if they don't beat, then it could be really rough, And which is how it was with Cal last year. That was on paper supposed to be a very beatable game, and then they give up 49 points. And – it seemed like every run Cal had was for 10-plus yards. So if Stanford goes and suddenly becomes an offensive juggernaut in this game, then the defense is going to have to reassess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of remind you of the Cal game. Obviously, it's, you know, they either play Cal or Stanford anyway in the course of a season, so it makes sense that, I mean, Stanford is bad. There's no getting around that. This is the type of game that Arizona, a good Arizona team is supposed to win. Even a decent Arizona team is supposed to go on the road and win. Now, it's tough to say... They should go on the road in any conference game and win, but do they have the mentality, do you think, compared to last year going into the Cal game, that, yeah, they're confident, they should be confident, but they're not overcome, that they're, they're confident, say, hey, we can win this game, we should win this game, but we still have to play hard to win this game, we have to play well to win this game. Do you get that in that sense from them? Yeah, I think they've, they've realized already that the, the only thing that's kept them from being 3-0 is themselves with mistakes. Um, uh, been a couple on defense in that Mississippi State game, and then the turnovers on offense, that uh, they haven't just met an opponent that they can't handle um, or that there's just major breakdowns. It's, it's, they, they frankly should have been 3-0 if they hadn't made so many mistakes in that game. But so be it. You're going to have one of those every year, sometimes more. Um, Cal was one of those last year. Uh, but then – Arizona showed last year that they, they could put it all together by winning at UCLA. And um, I think that that confidence has, is, is also there because the guys that were there last year. And then they, they played on the road at Mississippi State. And despite looking so terrible at the beginning and being down two, quarters, uh, two touchdowns in the first quarter, they were tied in the fourth quarter, had an opportunity to potentially take the lead in the final minutes, and went to overtime on the road in a tough environment. So I can't see why they wouldn't be confident. Yeah. It's, it seems like this is one of those games that it's, it's not really a measuring stick game for what this team's uh, ceiling is, but it maybe is a measuring stick for how, you know, mentally mature mature and tough they are. Right. Where, you know, if they can come out and take care of business on the road, it's never easy to do that. No matter, no matter the opponent, but mm-hmm. it, this this strikes me as a game that it it's Arizona's to lose more than it is Stanford's to win. Is that a, is that a fair framing? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Um, unless Stanford has just completely come up with a new idea of how to how to do stuff and protect their quarterback, uh, which they haven't been able to do, regardless of which quarterback is out there, um, or find someone beyond besides their tight end to throw to. Um, then the only way Arizona loses this game is if they make those huge mistakes like they did against Mississippi State. Um, and 
I would I would use the UTEP game to show that that they learn from mistakes. But again, uh, as bad as Stanford may be, I think they're better than UTEP because they have better athletes um, and probably a better coaching staff. So, um, I yeah, if Arizona loses this game, it, it's going to be because of their own doing. Makes sense. I feel like that's. I mean, that's, that's what you want out of a team. You want it to be up to them. It's not about what the opponent does. It's about what you do. And obviously, we've seen we've seen Arizona play a game where they make all those mistakes and what can happen. But even then, it was probably against a better team than they're facing this week. And, and Arizona had a chance to win that game. Well, Brian, we always ask our guests to give us a prediction for the game. Now, I know we want people to go to AZ Desert Swarm because there's going to be a predictions piece tomorrow. It's going to be posted. I don't want you to give away what, what your prediction is going to be. Unless you want to give it up like a tease or something like that. We can send oh, yeah. No, that's... I've got it as Arizona winning 30 to 24 and I feel it's going to be a dicey game and I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they're down sometime in the in the first two or three quarters but I just think that uh, the overall they they have the better team the better schemes the the better more consistency if this game were last year against this Stanford team then I could definitely see them losing this one but uh, based on how the team has looked to this point, they should win this game, and I have them winning by six points. All right, well, that's Brian Peterson's analysis, but still go to azdesertswarm.com tomorrow <laughs> to read everyone else's. I mean, I'm going to give my score prediction, too. I always sync them up. But, yeah, go to this site, and obviously, you know, for all the Arizona Wildcats content that you need, azdesertswarm is the place to go. You can find Brian on the Twitter machine, on the X machine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, real, I'm trying to, I had your thing pulled up here, your Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Real BJP. There we go. Just... Straight from the guy himself. So, Brian Peterson, AZ Desert Storm, thanks for joining us this week, sharing your insight, and we'll catch up with you again down the road. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Brian Peterson. We come back. Our final thoughts on Arizona-Stanford. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks again to Brian Peterson of AZ Desert Swarm because, I mean, he's around the team. He covers the team and everything, and it's just good to get his insight into how they're looking because it's, you know, non-conference, Brett. Like, it's You feel good about a lot. You feel less good about a little, and yet they're two and one, facing their last now Pac-12 schedule ever, and of course the conference looks a lot better than it did before the season, but <laughs> not this week's opponent in Stanford, who might actually look worse. Yeah, I, you know, I, my heart's been broken by Arizona before, uh, but I am feeling fairly optimistic and confident for Arizona heading into this game also because I just think Stanford is not where they you know they're not they're not at Arizona's level right now which is, is a weird thing to say <laughs> but I think that's you know I think Arizona is a legitimately decent team maybe even a pretty good team a good team uh, wins this game yeah and I and I think a good team wins this game fairly handily and I think I, I forget what the, the spread was up to on this I want to say it was like Nine and a half or something is that, that sounds sound right. right? Um, yeah. I don't, do we? Do you want to jump into our predictions for this game? Well, I mean, I think the key thing is how it is about what Arizona does, and when you get to that level where the other team could play a good game, as long as you play a good game, you're going to win because you're just better. That's where Arizona is compared to Stanford right now. Like, there's nothing that's happened from Stanford's first few games of season to indicate otherwise. Whereas with Arizona, we've seen what they can do when they play well. Now, granted, like, 
I don't think Stanford, I mean, Stanford's probably not as good as Mississippi State, might be on the level of UTEP. I'm sure they're better than NAU. And of course, this game's on the road, which is a factor in this. They're going to be playing in front of tens of Stanford fans in Palo Alto. So like, it's going to be the type of game where a mature team takes care of business. And if Arizona doesn't turn the ball over, if they play that clean football game, they don't have to necessarily do anything special. They just have to not lose the game. Like you were saying to Brian, like it's about Arizona win or lose, not lose. Like it's, if the Arizona lose, it's going to be because they lost, not because Stanford won it. That's the way it has to go. So if Arizona does what it's supposed to, doesn't have to play a great game, just plays a clean game, they're going to win, right? Like that's, they're mm-hmm. just a better team and the more talented team wins unless the more talented team messes up repeatedly. You know, just keeps stepping on rakes through four quarters because they did it through one quarter and, you know, Starkville and still had a chance to win the game. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a pretty decent Arizona team that can be good, can probably be really good. So but it'll be important to see them play well enough to win this game because it is a road game that if they're going to make a bowl, they have to win this one. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's going to be less uh, loud and hostile on the road in this game than it was in in Starkville. With you know, you said tens, it may even be scores of, of Stanford <laughs> fans there, Adam. Um, what is that? What does that amount to? Uh, scores would imply at least forty because the score is twenty. Okay, um, yeah, I don't know. Four <laughs> scores. Okay, yeah, that'd be that was eighty-seven years ago. Yes, the speech. Yeah. You learn learn something new today, Adam. I'll forget this by the time we're done recording. You're near you're 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 nearly two scores on this earth, and you had no idea about what a score was. Uh, oh, I know what a score is. <laughs> I expect Arizona to do more of it Saturday than Stanford. No, and 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 I do too. I I actually think that this is going to be a game where I you know if the UTEP game was, you know. Just play the smart game. Let get the ball in your your athlete's hands uh, and really train Delora on that. I get my my gut tells me that they're going to still try to encourage that, but they'll take a few more shots uh, at the big plays in this game. And I think Arizona's receivers will hopefully be able to take advantage of that. And maybe you know we haven't really for all the running success Arizona's had. There's not been a speedy Luke you know breakout for a touchdown long run or he was I mean, close sure, last weekend. You know, I'm not sure what the longest run Arizona has had this year, but I'm not even sure it was a touchdown run. It might have been our like Jonah Coleman run. had the long run against UTEP. Yeah, um, but I, I I think there's going to be a few more expl- explosive play attempts in this game. So I, and I think Arizona is going to move the ball effectively. I think the defense will still be solid, but you know you can't expect ten points again uh, on the road in a hostile environment. So I'm. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Arizona 38 to Stanford 24. Adam, all right. I got Arizona 31-13. I think the defense will play well in this game because I don't think Stanford has the offense to make them pay. Um, and I think the improvements. Like, there's going to be offenses that stretch Arizona's defense, test them, and probably burn them a handful of times. This is not one of them. So unless Arizona's offense makes mistakes, and I do think they'll connect on some of those big plays, but I don't think they're going to force it. I think he might see a similar style to the UTEP game where it's like just let the athletes do what they do. Keep the game plan safe. Not necessarily simple, but safe. You know, that doesn't mean you don't take a shot down the field. If T-Max open or has single coverage, throw the ball up to him. You know, if Cowing breaks loose, get him the ball. You know, if McLaughlin's down the seam and open, throw him the ball, pick up 25 yards. Nothing wrong with that. You know, Lamonius Craig, I think, has shown an ability to make some plays down the field too. Like if those opportunities are there, Absolutely take them. 
but I don't think there's going to be a requirement to win this game. And I imagine that's the track that Arizona takes. So 31-13 is my prediction, like similar to what we saw last weekend, just a nice, comfortable victory over a team that you should have a comfortable victory against. Yeah, if, if Arizona's defense holds Stanford to 13 points uh, on the road, like the, like you're predicting, I think that means their defense is, you know, for real in the sense of what we hoped it could be in that it's not bad. It's maybe even, you know, above average. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think it sounds like we're both pretty confident in this one, though. Yeah, and I think everyone should be confident in this one. Like a mature Arizona team wins this game, so we're going to learn a lot about them. Like not about their ceiling, like you were saying, Brett, but about their mentality, about their maturity. So, yeah, hopefully Arizona wins that game because if they don't, oh, boy. Shifting gears, a little bit of news and notes. Softball recruiting has been pretty good. I saw they landed a top-five recruit, Addison Shepard, uh, from Texas for the 2025 class. That's nice. I know it's a little bit down the road, but it's always nice to see recruiting do well, especially for a program that needs to kind of turn things around a little bit. Like It wasn't like they were – Awful, awful. You know, we're in the College World Series a couple years ago, but last year did not go well. And, you know, there's expectations. There's a standard for softball. Yeah, and, you know, I think one of the other commits they got is a, is a, is a pitcher, which I think is the one thing that you have some concern on with this roster. And uh, that Riley Holder is the, the right-hander, um, also from Texas. You know, maybe it so- solves that, that, that maybe gap in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, on the, in the circle, I guess is is the term they use in yeah, picked up by Wild, like um, South Point. Yeah, so you know, there's still questions there, um, and it's you know, at least in the in the short term. But in the long term, there, you know, Caitlin Lowe was largely groomed here because she's a good recruiter and she's showing it so far. Yeah, and that's the lifeblood of any program. So, like, obviously, mm-hmm. coaching and decisions matter, but having good players matters more. I would argue. So, yeah, good job, softball. Keep it going. Um, men's basketball, they officially announced their non-conference schedule and the dates for the conference schedule. Some pretty fun videos. I'm sure you saw those, Brett, going to one of the grade schools and having the kids. I mean, it's a new trend, I think, just having people who have no idea what these teams are by logos just say what they think the team's name is by the logo. So <laughs> if you haven't watched those, check out the Arizona Men's Basketball social medias. Like, they're delightful, like very enjoyable way to look at the schedule. Um, anything else? Have we missed anything else, Brett? Uh, I don't think so, but we do have... A, re- a review, a rating and review. Well, I haven't got to that point yet. Oh, did I jump the gun? Okay, so yes, you can find us on the social medias at Wildcat Radio AZ is the X handle. Um, if you're listening to us, you probably found us on Spotify or on iTunes. Um, if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We will, re- we will read that review on the air. Brett, do we have any new reviews this week? You know, I I thought you'd never ask, Adam. We we actually do. What? That is crazy. That's news to me. I had no idea. Um, so this is from uh, a gentleman, 45, F-O-R-T-Y, numeral 5. Uh, I like the, the start of it with the title. It says, Outstanding Podcast, no. Five Stars. Uh, Nowhere to go but down from there. <laughs> yeah, and you know we've talked a lot about Jane Delora on and off the field, and we're going to talk about it in our reviews right now. Adam, uh, 45 writes, guys, the trend of calling JDL, JDL, quote, the Kirk Carissa of Wildcat football, end quote, is a bit troublesome to me, not necessarily because it's inaccurate or an insult to either player, but because I prefer to think of JDL as a maverick or perhaps the maverick with the in all capitals. I think 
fans with uh, quotes around it would be better served thinking of JDL as a swashbuckling fighter pilot who occasionally gets it gets in a fist fight with his mates and has been not known to buzz the tower a time or two. I know, I know, interceptions, fumbles, helmet butting a DB, but he's our Maverick, signed 45. Say, Maverick also occasionally gets his, you know, co-pilots killed when the chute opens up into the canopy, but, you know, I guess that wasn't yeah, really but, Maverick's fault, they determined. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, Maverick can throw some, I think Maverick threw some touchdown passes on the, on the, on the, on the beach, so he didn't lay a, uh, a goose egg no and his accuracy was really good in the new movie as well so yeah i when it comes to delore i guess it's less of a review for us even than it is other than it's like saying we do a great job and we thank you 45 for that but anything with delore it's just like i get the Carissa angle too in that i mean polarizing player for sure who's when they're at their best are some of the best their position in the country but their lows are like obvious and painfully bad like I mean, quarterback and point guard, they're slightly, I mean, they're the leaders of their offenses, but quarterback is obviously, there's a lot more going on with a quarterback than Kirk Creese in Arizona's offense the last couple of seasons. But I can understand the analogy. But I also understand the Maverick one, that like, Delore is a gunslinger. We know that. You know, Brian mentioned that too. Like, you don't take that away from him. You just try to rein it in a little bit, and you get the best version of the quarterback. So, yeah, but we appreciate you listening and reviewing, for sure. Yeah. I don't appreciate you letting my, my goose goose egg laying go by without commenting. I thought that was clever. I didn't even notice it. I was probably too busy thinking of my thing, so I didn't even pay attention to what you were saying. Oh, sometimes Maverick lays a goose to goose egg to rest. He's the one that died. Yeah, I know. That's the that's the route I took. About mm-hmm. his, yeah, I mean, I know Goose died. I, clearly, I know that. Spoiler alert. alert. Okay. <laughs> You're the one who said it first. I know. <laughs> oh, that's about... How we know it's time to wrap things up here. So yeah, you can find us on you know Spotify, on iTunes. We will read your review on the air if you leave us one. Of course, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and a good review. But if it's not five stars and if it's not a good review, we will still accept that you know, because we're nothing but, you know, we, we get it. We do our best. Um, but yeah, Arizona, Stanford, and football. The first Pac-12, the first, or the last first Pac-12 game of the season. Ah. <sighs> That's a thing. And it happens this Saturday. I think it's 4 o'clock Arizona time. Wildcats are favored. They should win. However it happens, I mean, three scores, one score, a score in terms of time, I don't even know. As long as Arizona wins, you take it. But, you know, we'll see how they do. I'd prefer they win handily and look good doing it. But, yes, I would take it. For sure. So whatever happens this weekend, we will talk about next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Remember to bear down. Bear down.